Welcome to the future of NFTs, brought to you by Adlunum, the first engaged to earn proof of attention IDO launchpad. Hosted by co-founder Natya Bester, we bring you exclusive insights on NFTs, the revolutionary digital technology that's transforming the world as we know it. Hey, Web3 world, this is Natya Bester from Adlunum the Web3 investment ecosystem empowering early stage startups through our Startup Accelerator, our Web3 Pitch Arena, and our Engage to Earn platform using gamified proof of attention. And of course, today's show, you are listening to the future of NFTs, the show that looks beyond current NFT use cases to what non-fungible token technology is evolving into all of this as seen through the eyes and built by the minds of the fascinating guest speakers that we have each week. So today I have with me uh, Juan Ibagon, the CEO of Elfin Kingdom Games. Juan is no stranger to the world of crypto because he has been a crypto entrepreneur since 2016, working in investment, business development, product development, etc., and today he is leading Alphen Kingdom with the mission to become one of the top decentralized gaming ecosystems in Web3. As for Alphen Kingdom games built on Binance Smart Chain, it is designed to be a haven for gaming and metaverse projects to leverage the power of Web3 tech. They are not just building games, they are building the future of decentralized interactive experiences. So if that piques your interest, then definitely stay tuned as we speak to Juan about, well, a whole bunch of things, uh, especially as it relates to GameFi, the future of all of the different Web3 technologies that, that play into GameFi, and also what the current market is like for this uh, segment of the industry. So with that, Juan, Welcome. And I would love for you to really just, I mean, you've been in crypto for years and years now. Um, what was the vision behind Alphen Kingdom and why are you so intent on creating it this way in order to really revolutionize the decentralized gaming ecosystem? Maybe also tell us what is the decentralized gaming ecosystem? What does it involve? Hello, Nadja. Thank you very much for that introduction. I think uh, it's one of the few and amazing introductions, better than my own introductions. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let me tell you a little bit about the Elfin Kingdom games. And thank you very much for uh, everyone who is uh, listening. Mm -hmm. Let's say that after a few years of being in crypto, I think many people jump into crypto, of course, with the premise of uh, making some money but at the same time some of us uh, besides that we want to create a change and make a different things uh, in with this technology and in the world some impact uh in my case um i had the opportunities to create the other things that were more uh, i would say you know i had the opportunity to create wallets to create exchanges and other similar business models but um, they were not just uh, the right fit for me at that moment. I just didn't want to do something for the sake of doing something. You know, I think it's more powerful when you do something that passionates you. And uh, I've been always a, a big a gamer. That's something that I always liked. And when I was little, I would say that, you know, when I was a kid, I would say that uh, probably too young to be a sports player and uh, maybe too old to go back to those days now. However, I think uh, uh, building on top of something that I passionate is a passion for me, is where this started after, you know, seeing the craze of the play to earn happen. And we came with this idea of creating Elfin Kingdom initially as a game. We started being as a, a game, a game very similar to Pokemon, uh, the version of 98. And... Uh, in the in little by little, we started to pivot in the sense that after having this success with the game, we were seeing that uh, not only was necessary like having a game and that's the maximum we could do. We actually saw or I discovered during all these experiences that there were many pain points inside of the of the gaming ecosystem itself. And uh, that creating a decentralized uh, gaming platform could be like the best uh, uh, way to go. Creating this infrastructure for the Web3 
And uh, of course, that meaning that you will have a platform where uh, you will have access to different libraries of games, you know, different type of uh, games that you would like to play. You will have access to uh, your own NFTs, you know. I think uh, Play to Earn has evolved to play and own mostly. Mm, and in which, uh, of course, the decentralizing platform doesn't belong to anyone. At least in the beginning, of course, it starts centralized, but the future of the vision is to become decentralized where through governance people can really decide what's going to be the future for this, what new features are coming, what can we do, the marketplaces, which uh, which projects are coming, and all these kind of different uh, aspects that decentralization or the promise of decentralization, decentralization will break to us. And at the same time, allowing uh, eSports, I think the eSports uh, uh the big become the biggest uh, promise for uh, Web three uh, gaming. Oh, that is quite a journey. I love how you say how you know you come into Web three perhaps with a, with the idea of uh, this is where a lot of money is to be made, but very quickly um, the technology is something that you realize is something that is a game changer and then that kind of starts asking the question but but what are you going to contribute uh, to making this change and i love also you know your own passion as a gamer um, i think it's very difficult for founders to build something that they are not truly passionate about themselves because yeah startups are hard and and if you don't 100 percent believe in what it is you are doing especially at a time like this in a market like this uh, it can really be tricky to keep going now, I'm curious because you mentioned the pain points that you recognized uh, in the overall gaming ecosystem. How, because this is, of course, something that, that a lot of people uh, talk about is the fact that Web3 Gaming or GameFi has huge promise for the future of gaming. However, it is so early um, and we don't find a lot of actual players playing Web3 games. You know, a lot of this is because of just the way that these games are built or the fact, of course, that they are not ready just yet, uh, but are still in production. So what are some of the pain points that you feel is still in the ecosystem, um, even today with all of the different companies that are working on different solutions? Um, and yeah, if, if applicable, what Alfin is doing uh, in order to address these issues? Yes, very good uh, question. Um, I think... Uh... Personally, I believe that play to, I mean, the Web three games gaming space has probably find a bottleneck. And many people they don't really um, realize what's necessary or what are the real pain points because we always discuss about the same uh, issues all the time, like ownership, the NFTs. You can sell your assets. You can have this and that, but it's always around the same topic. And I think it's a little bit deeper than that of course the ownership is very important aspect and i think most of web3 gaming builders can agree on that i think that's a topic that we already uh how you say we already assimilate and it's a must inside of the platform uh, i think the part where uh the main pain point comes is the play and earn because uh, after axe infinity there was this misconception in which the first version of uh, of Web3 Gaming is the premise of, oh, you know, you can sit in your sofa and you literally can make money from uh, pushing some buttons. You know, it's very easy. And I think uh, the next point is just solving and really passing the message about uh, this is not just play, it's not play to earn, really. It's not play to earn. It is play uh, and own. So in this sense, when I talk about the, exactly owning is when you have these nfts you will have to think about them such as uh, i do always a comparison with football because it's the thing i'm more familiar with and uh, you can think about them as as players if you want you have this player who can join that team or you can sell it and you transfer it and you can make money from this you really sell those assets and that's how you really make money you know selling those assets that be, they belong to you and you put them, maybe you can rent in, even you can rent those assets for people to play tournaments. You know, you can see the different aspects inside of the eSports because the real way of earning in gaming is through eSports competitions, not because you just sit down and 
I click and I just do, do the minimum possible. Uh, and I am entitled to 400, 500, 1,000 USD a month. That's actually really not very valuable. And the way these games can really make money is if they have viewers through advertisement, you know, through all these competitions. So I think addressing that point is something that we're working on in which we want to transmit exactly the NFTs are mostly the assets that are the value, no, mostly just getting some pennies. And of course, the other part and a pain point that maybe um, some people do not see is uh, the reality of uh, gaming or Web2 is evolving to the cloud gaming. I refer to the cloud gaming is just I have, I can take the comparison with Netflix. I have an account in Elfing. And similar to Netflix, you just go and open and you pay a subscription fee. And with this subscription fee, you actually get access to a library where you don't need to download the game. You just get it streamed. So I think uh, infrastructure for these uh, streaming services, GPU streaming services, for you know, to do all these renderings and all these things of graphics is going to be something that some companies, and I cannot tell you which company right now because we are working one of them, they are working on making this um, kind of decentralized GPU technology available for streaming, for gaming streaming services. And I think that's one of the pain points that many people is not really seeing in creating a real infrastructure, just not only providing the part of um, of the library. I think the library as us is really good, but if you don't have the tech where you integrate miners and integrate people who has mainly some of the machines uh, there uh, waiting to provide some of this power will be uh, another part that you can solve through gaming. And at the same time, uh, you can provide solutions not only in the sense of uh, having uh, to solve the pain point of how other people can really earn through gaming, but you know you help those people to be part of the ecosystem in which they can fund uh, those other projects, their other gamings, that other games that are coming, and people can really be part of. Uh, I mean, of a complete ecosystem where you have infrastructure. You have the players, you have the investors, you have the content creators, and you have, of course, uh, the decentralization that will maintain this uh, this complete ecosystem. Well, I just have to absolutely just call this out. This is one of the most interesting conversations that I've had in a while about the future of gaming. So. Definitely, uh, if if you were thinking about leaving this this talk anytime soon, definitely stay tuned because Juan has amazing insights. I love your your approach on this. You know, we we came from play to earn or play and earn, and and now kind of moving into a more, I almost want to say, realistic expectation of the industry in play and own because I mean that is where a lot of the of the technology and the let's say the innovation based on the technology evolved from is this idea that in, in, in Web3, you can own your own assets. Um, but of course, the narrative has kind of completely shifted in the other direction in the sense, okay, there are games, as you say, you're going to sit on your chair all day, you're going to push a few buttons and you're going to make all this money. Um, and that kind of, that ship has come and it's sailed. And a lot of people are feeling very... You know, almost like the promise of of GameFi and Web three uh, has been disappointing. Um, but of course, we know in this industry that in the in the beginning, the dreams are always massively big, and there's a lot of sort of short term hype opportunities uh, that 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 come and go. So, where do you see the actual adoption uh, of GameFi and Web three, um, <clears throat> especially in the short term? Um, because there's a lot of people that. You know, like my, my son, for example, is a gamer, but he doesn't care about owning anything. He just wants to enjoy it. He's got no incentive to, to use Web3 games because he's already got his Web3. So where do you think this adoption is going to come from in terms of especially play and own away from this idea that in order to earn or in order to play, you're going to earn? I think um, that's not really, actually, it's a very... Interesting question that I always keep changing my mind, to be honest. Uh, I think you always have to be looking into different factors, different uh, sources, and see really how the market evolves and how it's giving you 
feedback. I don't think the market is static and that's a key point. I think it's always evolving. So lately mm, with many people and web, because we work a lot right now lately with the web two uh, companies, I think that's one of the points that we need to emphasize. I think the adoption will come through them. I don't think the adoption will come really through Web3 uh, taking the lead by themselves. I think it's to, um, how to say it? I mean, I think it's counterproductive because uh, Web2 companies, they already have games, they have already users, they already have many things that you don't really need to rebuild Mostly what you need to offer them is uh, another way to approach gaming. And I think um, the adoption will be come, coming from those Web2 studios who will actually would like to expand their business models and bring different revenue and see the real advantage for, for that. Um, there's many gamers. Me personally, I play games and I think that's the reality of it. You know, the reality of playing games should be for your own, you know, fun, you know, I sit down and I play maybe one hour, uh, a video game and I'm having fun. And then I just stop. I don't really care about making money from it. And I think that's the real mm, thing from, uh, from it that like, uh, you really have to have fun. And of course, if you get, uh, I mean, uh, me as a gamer, when I play, I do get the skins and I do get uh, some uh, achievements and get this and that. And I will be like, I will be happy to sell it, but personally, I am not really uh, trying to make uh, money from it in the in uh, in the short term. So I think the adoption, like uh, bring it that way, it has to be through one studio or several studios, maybe in which uh, they will onboard their they have already their audiences, their communities, and you just bring it into Web3, like, uh, I don't know, I will give an example, Call of Duty, you have Call of Duty and you have this community and then one day from another, they are going to just have a version for the Web uh, for the Web3 and they will bring that community to play that through different, uh, to a smooth way in which they're going to make mostly the Web3 experience almost invisible because I think one of the pain, pain points also that I forgot to mention is you know, how difficult it is to really uh, start to play these games. You have to do so many things, so many steps in order to start to play. You buy this, you do that. That is really uh, time-consuming and gamers, they just want to play. You know, you just, you're going to give up if there are too many steps uh, uh, to really play a game. So I think that the adoption will come from one of those games that people are familiar with and they will move their communities slowly to uh, to Web3. And in that sense, those gamers, in the end, they will just realize through their services and all through the promise of making things very smooth, you know, better UI, better UX, uh, people will start just to play. And when they realize everyone is kind of playing Web3 games without really calling it, they, just, they are just gaming and playing at own is becoming the standard. You know, you're going to own your own assets. I think the future is play own. And of course, if you want and if you spend the time earn you can just sell those assets if that's what you want you can keep them if uh, that's also what you want you know i think is uh all about choices yeah i love that because in the end this is truly what differentiates the web3 industry from other industries are exactly that uh choices um so juan i want to know you, as you say, you work with a lot of Web2 companies to onboard them uh, onto the Web3 technologies. But at the same time, obviously, you've been in the Web3 space yourself for a good number of years, nearly a decade. So in your opinion, and I know we are at a very strange, weird sort of time when, you know, there are companies that are completely Web3 native and there are companies that are completely Web2 and now there's this bridge that's being built and, and obviously Alpha and Games is, is part of that bridge. Um, but overall, sort of generally speaking, what are the key factors that you would say differentiates a successful decentralized game or gaming platform from an unsuccessful one? Um, I think... Um... There's a big gap 
I would say that there's a big uh, important point that we need to make clear in part of between Web2 game companies and Web3 ones is that speculation factor uh, is very present in the Web3 companies. And that's part of the game, you know, that's part of the game. And we should be fine with them. And we should welcome all those speculators because those speculators uh, give a lot of hype. So trying to just uh, bash them in some sense, I don't think is beneficial to anyone. Uh, and definitely, I think that's the biggest difference in which uh, Web 2 and Web 3 differs because uh, most of those gaming companies that are Web 2, they really have to follow some financial guidelines. Web 3 gaming companies, I think they follow very little financial or, you know, uh, know your customer um, procedures and stuff like that. So um, I think... Um, if you ask me based on that, like what's going to be one of the companies, how you can differentiate a good ecosystem from the other one will be mostly not because of the price appreciation, because that's no that's one way how companies uh, get money. But I think through the mm, communities, you know, I think uh, if they are users, if you have a com uh, decentralized gaming ecosystem that are self-sustainable and they have communities doing their own uh, games, they, I mean, their own uh, tournaments, you know, you can create those communities, they make their own tournaments, they can create their own events, they can create their own things, and it's a game. Uh, it's mostly, I think that will show the success. Maybe necessary, necessary will not necessarily, it will not be only like one platform, like maybe cannot be the platform, but it can be a game. You know, there are, just take a little bit the example of, uh, I will say, maybe World of Warcraft or LOL, uh, Dota, you know, those are communities and very successful games. And, you know, uh, all these people, they, they are very, I mean, they say the community is very successful. You can say those are the most successful games in the world and they are self-sustained by the company. Of course, there are companies behind investing in advertisement because they get millions of views and so on. And, you know, you have prices and so on. But I think you having people actively playing uh, your games, at least one or two games, because oh, not all the games are going to be good. But if you have one really good game, you can make it, uh, you can make it, you can make your platform successful. Like, uh, what's the biggest game in, in in Nintendo? The biggest game in Nintendo that really, let's say, became iconic was Mario. Mario was the hit from Nintendo. And uh, if you think Nintendo, you know, you just go and think directly into Mario. So it's this kind of... Uh, how you, how you going to find successful platforms will be if they actually have communities playing and using their own products independently from their token price because they will have trading volumes and trading money volumes means cash inside of the company, and the company needs cash to to survive. So I want to touch on something that you mentioned earlier. Um, obviously, Web3 companies have a lot less limitations around regulations and all of these, as you say, the, the financial aspects like KYC that Web2 companies have to adhere to because they are part of the, uh, the traditional financial system. Do you think that there is going to come a time when most of the gaming elements that we see will have a Web3 component to it in the sense that it will almost be a surprise if you're in a Web2 game and there's no Web3 options? Or do you think it's something that's going to coexist side by side and you know, people will always kind of have the choice. Do they want to go on a decentralized platform or play a decentralized game? And Web2 games will continue to exist uh, with little influence. Uh, where do you see this going? And perhaps what a time frame are we looking at uh, for this adoption? I think uh, um, I think they will, the Web2 games are going to become web three games that's in the future i will say if you ask me for our window i mean i think probably in, in 10 10 years probably all games are going to be uh web three because i do believe in 10 in 10 years we already are going to have uh uh i mean in crypto in general blockchain this technology if you can see the news and what's going to happen you know 
this is actually getting regulately regulated really heavily and really fast in the past uh, in this year i think mostly this year etf launching next year so many things are happening right now and uh, this is part of how this financial infrastructure is really uh getting adopted you know making it safe for most of users and i think uh, uh of course there's another point that is the the next generation that is coming you know they are 100% internet natives you know it makes extremely it makes sense that everything that they really own digitally is is theirs you know they already are familiar with uh, with money like bitcoin and cryptocurrencies for them just going to the bank you know this painful process of talking to someone who really doesn't understand anything uh, asking you these questions and banking is really the worst thing that we ever had from my from my point of view I always have a lot of problem with that but you know all these new generations they are internet natives and they are going to understand that they need to own everything that they are going to have inside of their digital identity uh, coming so uh, if you see that I think uh, from my point of view, you know, it just makes sense that in the end, uh, this technology becomes invincible, uh, in, in, invisible, uh, in which uh, you don't really know, you don't really have the option, you know, you're not going to say, I want to play a Web2 game. It's just part of, of it. It's just part of the, of the infrastructure, like uh, uh, the TCP, the internet is built, you know, it's just, uh, you don't really know, you just uh, know that the internet works and, uh, and you just open your browser and that's it. You know, it's going to be very similar to the sense you don't have most mostly like the option. You just have it there. You just understand that this technology will understand that those games are built in that way. They will access platforms, as I was saying, you know, they will not just have to download things and just they access maybe a browser or an app and they are going to play directly from there. And they know they have their own digital identities and the, in these digital identities, they have uh, and their assets, they have their NFTs, they have their things, and they can just do whatever they want with them. So I think it's just going to be adopted and it will be the standard. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point because if you come from a pre-Web3 era, uh, you're used to not owning things. You're used to the platform being the overlord and, you know, you have to agree to the terms and conditions and you have no choice. And especially as you highlighted choice earlier, I mean, Web2 is almost the absence of choices. Um, but then, of course, if you are someone who is used to a Web3 world, which is also why adoption takes time, um, then it's going to be very bizarre. The same way that if you tell your kids today, you know, what your life was look like, was like as a child. And, and they were like, oh my God, I can't believe that. I can't even imagine this. So I can imagine a time in future where Web3 technologies and the ownership of it especially is so just part and parcel of the culture that it's almost unimaginable that you don't own something. But on that point, um, you know, we talk a lot about the role that game. I mean, for example, in the metaverse, there's a lot of companies moving in the metaverse, but then you see Roblox, you see Fortnite, these established uh, games, they are the ones that really lead the next generation into the idea of this. So if we think about the role of games in society, do you think that gaming reflects the trends or do you think that gaming sets the trends? That's a very good question. I think uh, I think game gaming set the trends. You know, I think uh, I think everything is a kind of a. I mean, if if I would I would just do this kind of example. I think that everything goes through this process of hype, and then maybe forget about it. I will give you the example. You know, Facebook. I will just use Facebook. You know, Facebook was really well used. And then I personally don't use Facebook anymore, you know, I maybe use Instagram, but it is kind of, for me, I feel like Facebook died, you know, was this momentary uh, 20 years uh, hype of it. And now everybody moved to Instagram. There's also now people going directly to TikTok and many other things are going to come. And, uh, and as kids, you know, as gaming is used for, different it's like an 
a way for your imagination to become someone else. I think when there's a good story or something really nice, people will start to play it. You know, just people will start to play it and they will like it. And, you know, you get obsessed. Like, uh, I don't know if you watch maybe some anime or some cartoons or maybe some movies. I will give you uh, this, uh, how you call this game, uh, Squid Games, you know, this Korean uh, TV series. Uh, I think that was 2021, maybe. And everyone was crazy about this, you know, from one moment to another. Everyone wanted to, you know, Halloween, everyone was dressing as those guys. So I think uh, game could, gaming could work in some sense, in a similar sense. They just said there's a very successful game and they will set that specific uh, metaverse. Everyone wants to become part of that metaverse and people will share those same interest, interests in those metaverses and they will connect that that way because uh, I think the promise of, from my point of view of this, of the metaverse is that I can go and uh, immerse myself in a world where I want to be part, you know, if I want to be uh, a soldier in Call of Duty, I would say like this, you know, I will go and play the Call of Duty metaverse and I will play with other people in, in the internet. We will get to know each other and share, play together and so on. So I think to answer it would be, yeah, games will set the trend. So that leads me to my next question, because as we all know, this is not the easiest market in which to build anything probably in the global economy right now, but especially in the Web3 space. So as a founder building this company at this time, um, how has the current market conditions influenced the strategic decisions that you have been making? Um, I would say that the market conditions, um, I have, they have been a little bit rough because, um, again, still, still the hype is gone, you know, so not many people is continue didn't continue to investigate or to spend time inside of uh, of Web3, of crypto in general, crypto in general, you know, you know, because you can have also video games, Web2, and they still have their communities, no problem. Uh, but uh, as the promise of money is gone, uh, many, tourism, many tourists are left at the space. And that's something that I think is good, uh, something that at the same time is not... Uh, the best. I mean, it's good because the speculation, uh, you know, uh, diminish. But at the same time, you have the opportunity to see the real, uh, like mostly what they is what the stays in the market is mostly people who is holding, of course, because they want to have a new cycle. They are players, uh, but market conditions in this situation are really rough in the sense that. There's something, always something happening. And mostly in Web3, mm, your token performance is like, a, I would say some uh, qualification qualification of uh, how you will be, uh, how, how good you are in some sense. So for example, from Elfin, we haven't launched the token, our token yet, just because many of our uh, biggest holders are being, uh, have been against it. Uh, heavily, they don't want us to launch because of exactly uh, what I've just mentioned. The market conditions are not good. There's no retail coming. There's no new money coming. There's regulation, many uncertainty in the market. So no good to just uh, launch and uh, try to guess what's going to happen. Many of them, they believe that 2024 is going to be something better where there are more guidelines and uh, better, better, you know, a better, um, a better path in which we can navigate and have uh, a bigger success. Um, I don't like it that much because I would like to launch and uh, build that from zero, but at the same time, I believe they have a, a, a good point. And um, what we see is that independently of not launching the token as a builder, we need to build uh, our community. And this community must uh, understand what is behind it independently from the from the token. So. Um, market this stuff is not easy. I think many companies are suffering from this and the traction is not the best. 
but uh, the time will come. The time will come, and uh, with good partnerships and good uh, efforts, um, the more you try, there's going to be an opportunity. I mean, that we believe we can uh, hit the right spot. Yeah, no, I agree with you fully. Uh, we've also not launched the token for exactly the same reason, and it's it's a difficult strategic decision to make uh, when you're ready to go and you want to go, but at the same time, as you say, the token performance is so closely tied to, well, really the the starting success of a company in the Web three space. So, in the end, you have to balance those those choices out. Um, I want to ask because I think there's a lot of people that are, you know, either they started building, let's say, towards the end of of the bull market, and and just as they were able or able to raise and willing to raise funds, that's when the bear market hit. Or people that started building in the bear market, and and as a result of conditions being what they are, not really being able to get to the point of fundraising uh, in order to really catapult the project into the next level. Um, so, what are your what are your let's say advice? What's your advice uh, or what guidelines uh, would you give founders? Uh, you know, specific perhaps to to the GameFi space, uh, but even more generally speaking. Um, just to get through this difficult period, you mentioned community building. That, of course, is a crucial part of, uh, especially of the beginning part. Um, but so what are some of the guidelines or advice that you can give founders that find themselves in these difficult positions at the moment? Great question. I think um, let's uh, say it into different scenarios. Of course, if I'm a builder, and a founder, and I can't. Be, I think I can give the example for the first one. We actually raised funds by the end of the year, by the end of the bull market. And uh, after, I mean, first of all, I will say that the best thing you can do is get good advisors, good investors, not investors only that they are on. I mean, I would not say that I don't have on uh, one or few of those, but I do. You have to, you need some investors that really care that are there for you to hear you out and to give you guidance, you know, because the thing of the bull market is that everyone kind of is kind of rich. So they pretty much want to throw money at you and not in, in bull market raising funds is a little bit easier that of course that in the bear market, but the money that you receive doesn't have the same value because everyone wants to make a quick buck and they don't really care. So uh, there are some good investors that we have, some others that they really went completely cold. You know, they just don't care. But so I will say for what you can do is try to find those advisors that believe in your project and try to cut deals with them so they can introduce new partners. You know, I think the most important thing in this case is, you know, uh, capital preservation. You have to keep as much capital as possible. You need to run your project as how we are running it, as low you know, minimum burn rate of your cash uh, because you need to focus into, at least our focus has been building a product, uh, keeping our community alive with activities, uh, with uh, small things, keeping them, you know, keep engaging with them, doing things with partners and find uh, new opportunities with other companies to cooperate in the future. And that's like, uh, I would say for those who have funds, do not rush into doing uh, a lot of marketing because any marketing you're throwing right now is a waste of cash, you know, because everything that you pay is literally, um, I mean, you throw it into the fire right now. It doesn't create the same effect as when you do it during a moment where everyone is having your the eyes in, uh, in the market. Like in, when it's a bull market, everyone is looking at kind of opportunities and you can make much more with that money. It's much better invested and it can give you better returns than just doing it in these market conditions when everyone is like, uh, crypto is a scam. And uh, mm, so the recommendation would be, you know, save your money until, uh, until the, the most you can. Uh, do not spend in things that are not really necessary uh, unless you have a really big bankroll and you can't afford to do that. But uh, I think that would be the best uh, suggestion I have. And for those who want to uh, money, I think it's complicated. 
mostly 2022 was really complicated. I think this year is still a little bit complicated, but if you do have some funds and if you can find some angel investors, I think it will be better to go through angel investors uh, that can give you some cash so you can build an MVP or having something. So next year when market conditions are a little bit better, you can have uh, a better pitch. You know, you already understand a little bit, study the market, see what's going on, check your competition, uh, your, comp your competitors and have an MVP. Just go with an MVP and that give you more chances of success than just going with a, with an idea because an idea without execution is worth zero. So I think that will be um, my advice is, you know, like just hold a little bit there and uh, try to have an MVP and pitch as many people as, as you can. It's a numbers game, to be honest. It's like sales. You sell, you sell, you sell. People will believe in your idea. Others will not believe in, in your idea. And you will get those. Uh, very solid advice and spoken uh, from someone who you can hear has been in the trenches. Uh, it's only with experience uh, that wisdom truly comes. Um, so Juan, I want to know, you You touched on community and this idea, which of course is very accurate at the moment, that spending marketing funds uh, is not necessarily going to give you really any good results because it's so short-lived and not many eyeballs see it. But what does it mean actually to build a community in a market like this? Because I mean, we've seen over the last, I mean, I don't know, the, the bear market is now feels like it's been going on forever, but we've been seeing over the last months and sometimes everyone's completely sick and tired of Web3 and you see almost no community activity. And then there are these spikes where people kind of come back, see what's happening and then decide, okay, it's still not the time. So what truly at the moment, especially for companies that are not doing marketing um, and, and perhaps have a f very small budget, you might not have raised funds, as you say, might only have gotten uh, angel investment to do the basics, uh, such as the MVP. What does it take to build a vibrant and engaged uh, decentralized community at this time, especially? I think that's a... Um... A very important question for us. Um, we always say that what it takes, it takes a lot of effort for sure, um, because you will have a community like uh, mixed in which there's people who wants you to launch the token and do this, do the rest. Uh, they feel entitled to get a, a return on their investment. Of course, of course, all this kind of stuff. However, uh, the more activities you do and the people you find a little by little uh, during, the bear, during the bear market are much more valuable in some sense. I mean, not completely in some sense. They are more valuable because those are going to arrive to your project or they will discover your project. You know, always make your project uh, vibrant. Speak about what it is about, you know, always introduce it, always introduce it. I reach new partners, reach new communities, bring it to the public be welcoming and uh, some of these new faces are going to come and they have they will be fresh it's called you know they have zero expectations they like the project they see that they need to wait they will wait and find ways of uh, of being part some of them not all of them but in a big sense uh, some of the people who approaches to approach uh, the elfin kingdom uh, they want to be part, they want to create, they want to find ways, of course, that, that can contribute to the ecosystem. And uh, just uh, try to find, I mean, for example, there are many, from my experience now, this is something, a way that I actually learned, uh, is that sometimes you hire external services. Uh, in some sense, it's good, not so bad. I think uh, some of them, they're really good. Others are not that good. But one thing that is really key, I will say, is your moderators in your community. Um, we had uh, several different uh, moderators, and some of them, uh, some of them, the only way you can really have a community who will stay with you is through your service, your customer service, and the people who is actually talking to them. You know, that's like the first contact point. 
And if you have someone who just doesn't really care and doesn't know about the project, anyone will care about it. So if you have good moderators, I mean, at least as, this is what I, what I saw from the experience. If you have good moderators in your group and they are quick and they understand the project and they can answer the question and they are actually very helpful, they will, uh, they will make uh, those community members coming or the old ones that they know what we're doing. And I think that gives a lot of confidence to everyone in which they, they will feel, uh, I would call it like safe. So having a good team of moderators will be, I think, one of the key aspects for uh, uh, building a community and always maybe maybe do activities, you know, try to engage them in some sense, you know, try to make, uh, you don't need to spend, uh, when I say you don't need to spend a lot of money, it's like you don't need to go and spend 10,000, 20,000. You can do activities, you know, we do some poker nights, we do some uh, creator content uh, contests, uh, things like that that keep the community engaged and uh, you give something back in return for being there. And I think... Uh, that's one of the ways we're trying to keep uh, and build uh, the community. Some people is really happy for things that happen. Others, of course, will not be happy. It's, I think, uh, a balance between good and bad. But, of course, bad times give you, I mean, difficult times give you a lot of troubles. And easy times will give you a lot of, I would say, uh, easy moments and, you know, in which you might get lost. Actually, this is the best moment you can build your project and have and find those problems, the real problems and try to solve them because when the bull market comes, you will have these problems 10 or 100 times bigger. Yeah, that's that's very, very true. Um, I think people always position the, the bull market as this beautiful, mythical place where there's no problems and everything is wonderful, but especially if you're building a product and if you're leading a startup, uh, yeah, it's a it's a fast-moving time when no one ever sleeps, and there's also a lot of challenges. So for sure, the bull, the bear market is a time uh, to make sure that you have those fundamentals ready, and especially in terms of community building. And as you say, not just building the community in in the sense of you know having this place for people to be, but really making sure that you build the community where there's a relationship building happening between the team and um, and the. The, the community, who whether they are players, whether they are holders, uh, etc. So I see that we close to the end of the hour, but I want to pick your brain a little bit. Um, if we think about NFTs, you know, gaming obviously is one of the sectors where people see the most promise, uh, especially in terms of ownership. But what are some of the other areas, uh, the other applications or utilities of NFTs, uh, apart from GameFi, that make you excited uh, that we might see over the next few years? I think uh, um, NFTs are just going to get um, more part, are going to become for sure part of our culture. They are making it little by little. And uh, I will say something that uh, will make me I'm excited of being part of different clubs. You know, like uh, uh, if I own a certain NFT, I can have access to special benefits. And just not to buy the NFT, but I will give you a very maybe, you know, bad example in which like, for example, if I buy a car, and uh, you know any brand that you just name it you know um i would call it you know renault something like this or Chevrolet, you name it and you buy this car and this car comes with this special nft because it's one of the cars you can have access to i don't know special events during the year and you can participate into those i think this kind of uh nfts uh, uh like functionalities are really really something that people will use and they will find it in a way that can be useful. Maybe for certain edition of cars, you can have it and maybe you can just sell it the day you sell your car too. You can keep it if you want. You know, no one can really ask you to sell it. Or, uh, you know, for artists, also in the same time, you can get access to a special content uh, uh, supporting some of the causes, you know, of what they do. Uh, I mean, so many applications for these NFTs that you will be uh, having that 
is just gets to see it's going to become just bigger. I think uh, these big brands uh, are the first ones who are really becoming uh, entering into this space, like Adidas. I think Jimmy Choo and like Dolce Gabbana, all these kind of big brands. I'm not a well a knowledgeable guy about all these brands, but um, they already have these NFTs and they give you, of course, access to different things. And um, for example, I know very well in Hong Kong, in Shanghai, there are these, uh, I don't know if, I, th- I think the name is Tiffany or Jimmy Choo. I don't remember really well what's the brand, but they have their disca- these cafes and you can buy, you can buy, if you buy one of their bags, you know, this is like a latest thing, you know, you buy and you get this NFT and you can go and when you go and you show this NFT, you can have some discount because, you know, you know, you go and you have can have bills that cost 200, 300, 400 US and maybe you can get a discount for, I don't know, 20%. And so it's something part of this club, you know, I'm part of this, of this uh Jimmy Choo or, you know, Vogue or I don't know, just name it. So I think those applications are really interesting and people like to be part of communities. It's just an identity. Yeah, I mean, I love what you say about it, just simply becoming part of the culture over time because the idea of ownership, the idea of digital identity, it's already part of our internet experience. It's just that the technology is not there to support and empower us as the users um, of course, in Web2, it's it's there to support the companies building these technologies. Um, so I'm going to ask, I think, probably the last question, because I see there's a, a whole bunch of audience questions coming in. Um, so just in closing, I mean, we've spoken a lot about the future of GameFi, the future of, you know, just this idea that the technology as a whole is moving from Web2 into Web3. So as the technology continue to continuously evolve, what do you think is the future going to look like uh, in terms of gaming, in terms of blockchain, in terms of, you know, the social impact uh, that these sectors, whether it is the decentralized technology, whether it's the fact that people go to games to express themselves, what do you think, what effect is this going to have on us in future because at the moment, you know, everything happens in silo. You are on the internet and you do X and you are there and you do Y. Whereas in Web3, because things are decentralized, we become the focal point. At the moment, it's more that we have to split our identity in different sort of roles and different areas of the internet. So what do you see the future is going to look like uh, maybe 10, 20, even 30 years down the line? Well, 20, 30 years, I will try to look uh, into the future, but I think uh, I, I, I do actually like uh, the idea of having different identities, you know, I think, uh, I think, uh, mm, I don't remember where did I hear this and I really resonate with me was that, you know, we, my generation, I'm from the 90s, you know, uh, we are the generation who didn't understand the privacy at all. You know, we went to Facebook, to all these platforms, and we just gave the real information, and we did all this, and, you know, we doxed ourselves, and, and they belong with everything. And if you see right now, uh, the new generations, they do care a lot more about their digital identity because they are native, you know? They are native, in, and they understand they have to have different identities of what they want to become or what they, they want to be. So I think um, down the line in 20, 30 years, uh, the internet is, of course, is already part of our day-to-day, but it will become even, I mean, it will become just like breathing, you know, it's just like you live in it. You will live uh, your life there. And depending on what you like, you will use different identities. It's just another aspect of how you express yourself uh maybe you like maybe you look you i mean i think we all of us we have different uh, masks like we call it like this you know if you go to a party you have your mask or your 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 party self you know if you go to a competition i want to play football and you play football you become this competitive person so you have your different uh, uh personas different uh, you know depending how you feel you change your attitude or your or your uh, 
or your identity in front of everyone. And I think this is something that uh, many, that probably some humans are looking forward because not all of us are are so outgoing. We are not so social. For us, for some, they are easier to go through internet and do this kind of stuff, uh, you know. I think uh, uh, even though it feels like it's going to be a little bit uh, less less uh, interpersonal, I think many, I think humans are going to become a little bit more human, understanding each other through the real expression of themselves. And uh, it will change the way people can really, uh, I think it will be, it will change a lot the way human interaction will happen. How does that look like? I really, is actually a really hard thing to do. We can see that with Tinder, human dating completely changed. We can see all this kind of stuff. Instagram also changed the way we behave. So we just need to see how this, it, ident- digital identities will change our lives for good and in some cases for bad too so uh, it's a very philosophical question that I don't really have an answer but I think of course it will shape uh, uh, many of our identities and mostly how human communication and interaction between each other is going to to be so what we use it to do for I will say this mating interacting is going to be completely different right now you know I am still the guy who likes to go maybe and pick up a girl. I don't think it's going to happen the same in the next 20 years. I don't think maybe my son will go and ask. Uh, I don't think my son will meet uh, his par- his her, his partner in the same way I met uh, uh, mine. I think probably these kind of changes will completely change. But something that will be for sure interesting to see, and that's what makes me excited about, is transparency. I think transparency with blockchain uh, towards making a society a little bit more even or more real will be actually the the big game changer. I think our societies are going to become a little bit cleaner from corruption and from uh, inequality uh, thanks to blockchain and to all these technologies that are happening right now. Yeah, there's certainly so much that's going to change and a lot to look forward to and probably also a lot to be scared of. Uh, So it's definitely an interesting time to be alive. So I want to just quickly do one audience question. I know that we're on time. Uh, From Warren, where do you see Alphen in the next five years, considering the fact that more play-to-earn are now evolving in the Web3 space? Well, Alphen is going definitely to have some uh, major upgrades right now. We closer certain partnerships with uh, some game at Web2 companies and Web3 companies and infrastructure companies. We have been working really under the radar. As I say to builders, you know, you should focus mostly on building and not worry that much about uh, how the market is going because the market, when the market is, is, is ready, it will be ready. You will know exactly when. So, um, Elfin for sure will be part of a bigger ecosystem. That's how I see it. Has his own ecosystem, but will be part of a bigger ecosystem of gamers uh, in which Elfin will provide a specific metaverse and a specific entertainment for certain type of of gamers. And of course, build uh, through, through this. So I would say that Elfin in the next uh, three to five years you will have it as a platform like you can recognize as, uh, you know, on Steam. You have many platforms, but if you think I'd like to refer to Steam because it's actually the most well-known, but on Steam in which you will have certain types of games, you will not have AAA games, you know. The main focus for Elfin is not AAA games, but mostly something that we like to call like uh, arcade games in which you go, you can compete, you can do things, but they are not as well and time-consuming and resource-consuming like a Call of Duty. You know, you will have something that is much easier, like, for example, you go to uh, the dentist, you can play some uh, games really fast, you know? That's, like, the main point of, like, the ecosystem that you will have. So I think definitely will be recognized by their by its mini-games and his, its uh, IPs in which uh, 
we are going to try to put Elfin uh, as big as we can, aiming as low as, you know, will be recognized as, uh, as you know, embedded in the culture. You know, like if you think about Pokemon, you will definitely can think about Elfin. Awesome. Juan, thank you so much for a very, very insightful hour. Um, if people want to follow you and follow Alphen Games, uh, where is the best place to do that? Yes, of course. Thank you very much, Nadia, for, holding, uh, for hosting here and for uh, having me here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Of course, if you want to, li uh, to follow me, uh, I will be coming in more active in, in, in tweet, on Twitter or X now. You can follow me at, at I bag on HC, you can just click on my image, you know, and just uh, go and follow me. If you want to follow Elfin Kingdoms under my profile, you can also see that it's building Elfin Games and you can click and follow them, you know, or you just find the handle Elfin Games and you will find Elfin Kingdom with all their information. So that's the best way where you can get updated with everything that's happening right now. Awesome. With that, Juan, thank you so much. This has been an amazing hour just talking and philosophizing about the future of GameFi and just society in general. So yeah, thank you so much for your time. Definitely looking forward to what you guys are doing at Alphen. I personally know how involved you are with your community and it's definitely something that uh, is a standard, I think, that other companies uh, can look to and, and follow and emulate. And for the audience, thank you so much, guys, for joining in again. And I will catch you again next week for another episode of The Future of NFTs brought to you by Adlunum. Cheers, everyone. Have a good week. You've been listening to The Future of NFTs. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming platform like Spotify or iTunes. Connect with Adlunum on Twitter at Adlunum Inc. or our website, adlunum.cc.